You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. Hi, everybody, and happy full moon. This week, I'm really excited to introduce our guest's dear friend of mine, Naomi Westwater Weeks. Hi, Naomi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> You've been talking about Naomi like from day one of us. Yeah, I've been so excited. For podcast. You. Yeah, I've been so excited to um, introduce you guys, just like even outside of the podcast. Um, so yeah, uh, Naomi and I met in, I guess it was early 2017. It wasn't quite 2016. It was a little bit later than that, but we had met after that whole terrible election cycle and we're both just like really thirsty for community and for connecting with people that, you know, we felt like we're missing in, in our world, um, especially in the wake of that, just looking for folks that we could have a bit of camaraderie with that we felt like, you know, kinship and that, um, how to put it that, you know, was kind of like the medicine to what a lot of us were experiencing, um, in the wake of everything that was happening. Can I ask you guys like what the atmosphere was like? You guys are in Boston. So like what was the atmosphere like in that, in your neck of the woods in the U.S. after the election? Oof. Um, 
It was actually, Naomi, I, I would like to let you speak to that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was, I feel like it was heartbroken. And I, I, re- I personally remember um, the day after the election, I had to go to New York because I was working as a comedy producer back then. And I had to do a comedy show and like show about climate change. (laughs) Oh, wow. And so um, it was just like, and that just kind of was, I feel like the vibe was just kind of everyone was heartbroken. But I have this, when you ask that question, the image that popped in my head is I have this picture of um, Kaylee and me in front of the state house with, I have this big, um, a queer peace flag and we're holding it up and like smiling. And so I think although people were really upset, the energy was really high. Mm. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, in Boston, it felt like a lot of people, like the majority of people were in the same boat as us, that we were all just kind of like, we had our foundation shaken as far as, you know, like what we were expecting. Um, and it woke a lot of people up around Mm -hmm. here and, you know, what that's like now, it's different. I would say what folks are like in Boston today, as opposed to what they were like when Naomi and I met. Um, but I'm so glad that you brought up that particular protest because that, that one was, that was really nice. And I think that that was one of the first times that I had gone out and felt that community that I was looking for instead of just, you know, like, um, pointless rage. (laughs) Yeah. And I asked because like, you know, as you know, I'm in DC. So, and it was 94% of DC voted for Hillary Clinton. So mm-hmm. I didn't leave my house the next day. I was like, fuck that. I called in sick, <clears throat> sick of America's shit is what I was self-diagnosed with. Yeah. And <laughs> stayed chronic. home. It's chronic. Yes, guys. it is. Um, ate an entire bag of fun size Snickers. That's mm. what I did. Yeah. And yeah, I did that all day. <laughs> and um, I only Halloween found- <laughs> candy, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I only found out like a a while later because I stayed home, but apparently I was far from the only one. DC was like a ghost town the day after the election. So it was like, everyone said it was eerie. And my, my old boss who I adore was, had said that she came to work that day. And this is the, I had, I wasn't working there yet, but she came to work that day and our executive director just like busted out some whiskey and was like, you guys get a pass for today. <laughs> wow. It's just like, yeah. it was a, it was a doozy. So, yeah, but that, I think that's a great segue into community because like, that's, I mean, what, what more, what more could you want from us, from an origin of friendship there than it being based around community? Yeah. And I mean, the people that I met, thanks to Naomi's community building since then, I just like this, so many beautiful humans that orbit around you. So I can't wait to to talk more about how you do that. <laughs> that makes sense with your human design because um, oh yeah, I that's saw right. That. So like, even yeah, really... we got to profile you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yes, tell us your big astrological three and then your human design. 
Yes. So I'm a Sagittarius sun, Pisces moon, and Taurus rising. Um, and I'm new to human design. So Kaylee, you're going to have to kind of go into. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, we'll get into up it. my chart for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you need me to, to remind you what it was? Yes. I'm going to need to. Okay. All right. So you are a manifesting generator with an emotional authority, okay. which knowing you definitely makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, so one of the great things about your chart Um, and this is generally very common for manifesting generators just because they have their throat center. Um, Mm. what's the word I'm looking for? Defined. Defined. Thank you. Like colored in for those of us, for those of you who aren't, aren't savvy with the the lingo. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet though, guys, we'll get you there. Um, so yes. So having the throat center defined, um, and yours is directly connected to your, um, sacral center. So Mm -hmm. you have the ability to sort of like automatically go after, um, the work that you want to be doing. And you also have, um, like a clear connection to your voice which I think is really important for the work that you do. Um, The other thing that's really interesting with your chart that we didn't get into in the um, human design episode, but guys, this will make sense anyway, is that you have a a channel specifically around community building. Oh, that's Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And I I think it makes perfect sense for you too. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the quick rundown, but we can, Oh, we have, we share a moon sign. We yeah. share a moon sign, Naomi. Oh. We have the same one. Mm-hmm. And our emotional authority. I have that as well. So, I wonder if there's oh, a okay. connection between that. I've been, you know, I got to pull apart the human design stuff a little bit more. And if anybody's listening and wants to comment to that, please do and save me time. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like there's probably a connection there between that that Pisces moon and that yeah, emotional authority, authority yeah. um, that you guys, you know, just like ride your emotional waves and that you come to clarity after you've gone through the whole cycle of it. So, yeah. I always say if I was a meme, I, I'm that girl from Mean Girls. who's like, I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I, I don't, I so don't present as that Pisces moon, but it really is true to the moon. Like when I'm by myself, like in my most vulnerable place, it is out and thriving. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you are yeah. so your Taurus rising. I mm-hmm. mean, like, just like. I know. I, I definitely know that's how I present, but it's like, it's not how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you said Sagittarius sun and then Taurus rising. And I was like, so she's a traveling homebody. What does this even mean? <laughs> It's actually kind of true. <laughs> you are kind of a traveling homebody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely have the travel bug for sure, but also wherever I am, I have to feel comfortable. It's like, yeah. I have to make the space mine or else it's, I feel like anxious. Yeah. So, so you got to go glamping. Here. Yeah, exactly. Glamping, not camping. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah. And I loved like the photos from the um, hotel that you guys were in was, I think it was in Spain. I know it was when you were in Valencia Mm -hmm. um, of like the bubble rooms. Yeah. (laughs) Like so, so Taurus Sagittarius right there. That was so great. (laughs) Totally. Um, Yeah. I have to say the Taurus side is thriving 
in quarantine and the Sagittarius side is dying in quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> My Sagittarius sees your Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying so hard. Yeah. My houseplants are like getting so much attention and mm. I'm just like cooking and, you know, I'm like loving my, my personal space. And then I'm also at the same time feeling incredibly trapped. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a weird balance. Yeah. 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 So I guess this is a great, great time for talking about community. Cause you miss it. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, um, so one of the things I've always thought about with my just craving community is I'm an only child. Um, and I grew up like kind of lonely often, um, but in a house of all extroverts. So my parents always had people over, um, but there was, it was usually adults and not usually kids. Um, and I think I just, once I got to an age where I could really gravitate towards people and make community. It just came really naturally to me because I think I was just craving that after not having siblings and things like that. And I, I think about that all the time. If I had had a sibling, if I would have this desire for a friendship as much as I really do. Um, as so, somebody with two siblings, you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as someone with three siblings, of- you will. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I just, but I've always craved that. Um, and I was reflecting a little bit on it. Um, I, my mom, uh, my mom is was in a women's group my whole upbringing, and probably in my early teenage years, um, one of the women in the group just kind of told me that she just was kind of, I guess, had a little premonition and was like, "Well, I think you're going to be a high priestess." Um, and and that was kind of something that always has stuck in the back of my mind in terms of, um, when I finally got to college and was, um, I think, you know, we're in this time now where, um, magic, spirituality, witchy stuff is out there and, um, everyone's talking about it. It's part of mainstream culture right now. Um, you know, 10 years ago when I was in high school, it it was very scary for me to tell people like what my spirituality was, what my background was. Um, and I, I did not, you know, people very much associated tarot, um, any kind of nature worship with devil worshiping. And I just, especially as a teenager, didn't want, didn't have the kind of courage to like stand up to that and educate people about that. Um, and so it wasn't really until I got to college where I just was craving that community. Um, I've never really loved solo, solo practice like other people do. I do my own solo rituals. Um, and now that I'm a little bit older, I do find importance in them. But for me, like I want to be in a circle with a big raging fire and a bunch of people like that is where I feel like my, um, spirituality feels deep and rooted and connected. Um, and so I, you know, kind of really nervously just reached out to some friends in college and said, uh, you know, this is my upbringing background. Would you all be interested in doing something more regularly, some kind of circles? Um, and I got a lot of people who said yes, um, people from all different 
faith backgrounds. They just were also craving that community and um, craving that connection back to nature, which I think is, um, for me in college, it's really easy to get into the throes of college and think that everything is about college. Yeah. And having that, having that time to reconnect with nature, reconnect with self, reconnect with the universe is so important. Um, and so I start that started sophomore year and I have been, um, creating rituals and community in some shape or form ever since. So it's been 10 years now. Um, and it's something that I think we were talking a little bit earlier about Sagittarius Taurus, anywhere I go, I feel the need to create that sense of community. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I was living in Spain and I was just there for a year, but as soon as I got there and made friends, I was like, all right, anybody interested in this? I'm going to be starting <laughs> to do these circles once a month. You know, I need this. Um, yeah. And I think what has been so beautiful has been the response that so many people that I've met in my life, um, some of them are my close friends and some of them I've only, you know, met through one or two rituals, but so many people have responded with, yes, we need this too. Um, and so I feel like I need to create the community and create the rituals as well as people just need the, um, permission to gather. Yes. Yeah. Because that's so ancient and we used to do that. I mean, how long have we been gathering in circles for, um, but we've, we've lost that a little bit, or it's been secret for so long, um, that I think when people find it again, um, it feels right. And it feels like home for a lot of people. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to just kind of be a provider of that. I yeah. love that. And a so, little bit of a spark inspiration. Yeah. So I, I want to ask, like, how did you come, like, how did you come to this like version of spirituality? Were you raised with this or was this something you discovered individually? Yeah. So I, I was raised with this. So, um, like I said, my mom, I don't know if she would self-describe herself as a witch, but I will call her a witch. Um, <laughs> I mean, she is, um, a tarot reader. She's an herbalist. And, uh, as long for the first, I don't know, 15 years of my childhood, she was in a woman's group, uh, spirituality circle. And they would, um, there's 13 of them and they would occasionally meet at our house. And I, I remember being in sixth grade doing Latin homework and like complaining on the phone to my friend because my mom's women's circle was drumming downstairs and I couldn't focus. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, they were drumming and they were like banishing something. So they would like, they were drumming on the floor and then they would yell out something they wanted to banish. And then the whole group would yell it out, <laughs> which is like, oh that my was my God. like <laughs> learning environment. Um, and then my dad is part of a spiritualist church, um, which is a branch of Christianity that believes that um, Jesus was a medium, a psychic um, so my dad, even though I'd, I've only been to the church once or twice was, you know, coming home after workshops on levitation and all these kinds of things. So it just was a part of my world. And 
I mean, I will say as a tween, I thought it was super weird and embarrassing. We, um, we, Kaylee and I are over here like frothing at the mouth. Like, (laughs) oh my God, if only. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Catholic school, Catholic school does not, doesn't breed witches. No. Um, Well, they're kind of embarrassment. (laughs) I remember I was 12 and we moved. And my parents had a house blessing. And so my mom had her woman's group over um, and they are dancing around the house in and outside, um, purifying the house with salt and then throwing flowers everywhere. And then my dad's minister was outside in the front lawn and she had a didgeridoo and was playing it. (laughs) And I was mortified. I was like, oh my God, the neighbors are going to know we're not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'm obviously, I'm so happy in retrospect, that's how I was raised. Um, And I will also say this, my parents never forced any of it on me. It was just there. And they were very encouraging of me to explore all spirituality. So um, I had a lot of friends of different branches of Christianity. I would go to their houses and uh, sleep over on Saturday and then go to church with them on Sunday. Mm. My dad's family is African Methodist Episcopalian. So I've been to plenty of AME church celebrations, which is like loud and exciting, lots of music. In um, college and high school, I had a lot of friends who were Jewish and so doing a lot of Friday night Shabbat. So I just kind of experienced um, a lot of different faith traditions. And I think what I love about spirituality is like permission to cherry pick what you like from whatever you want (laughs) and you make it your own. Um, and you know, that's, I always try and even though a lot of my practices are based in, um, pagan religion, I really, um, don't like to use the word religion for myself because I don't have rules. There aren't rules, you know? Um, And my biggest thing is, um, for me, spirituality versus religion has always been um, whatever your concept of God is, whether that's universe or a deity or whatever, I I don't think there should be anything in between you and God. Um, And I have a lot of problems with especially the patriarchal religions that say, okay, this person is your connection to God. Um, And you have to, you have to say this prayer or you have to be with this person in order to connect. Um, And that has been my, my primary problem with a lot of our current religions right now is um, everybody in my eyes is, has an equal connection to their spirituality and to whatever their God is. And there's nobody that is higher and more closer. (laughs) Um, Right. And it's just about each person finding whatever they need to tap into that, right? So for me, singing is sacred. Reading tarot is sacred. Going for a walk is sacred. Um, Being in a group of people together, meditating, having ritual, community, those things are sacred. Um, And those are the things that I use to tap into um, my version of God, Um, 
but I don't need to go talk to a rabbi or a priest to go, to go check in with God, you know? And so I, um, really have always that that's, I think the one thing that has always been concerning for me when I'm building community is I never want to be that for other people. I don't ever want people to feel like, you know, especially people who were introduced to spirituality through me. Cause a lot of my friends have weren't, had never done a community ritual before. Um, or we're just kind of exploring. Um, and then I, they, we met and I kind of was like, Hey, come join a circle. I come to a ritual. Um, I don't ever want to be associated with the way someone connects to their spirituality and their religion. I want to guide people and inspire people, but my hope and my goal is that you know, you have, you have the tools, you go do it yourself. You know, you go create your own group if you want to, or, you know, I'm just here to guide. I'm just here to read the cards for you. You know, I'm, I, um, don't want to be in the way between your relationship with any kind of spirit. Um, so that's, I think it is important. And, and, um, you know, sometimes I've, I've had to, often encourage people to go out and do stuff themselves if it feels like they're yeah. associating um, the the feelings that they're getting when they're in community spirituality with me. What's funny is that that's kind of the exact energy of the high priestess in tarot. Right, exactly. Yeah, that is her point across from the hierophant to the, the priest. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's um, so cool. Yeah, I absolutely love it, especially the inspiration part of it. And can attest to it, like definitely very inspirational, especially like the way that you pull different types of people together. So like people who are familiar with spirituality, who maybe, um, you know, have a severe lack of community like myself, where I am so comfortable in my own personal practice that, you know, it, it's really an expansion for me to do that with other people. It was all a completely new realm of practice for, for myself and then bringing people together who are comfortable with community, who may not have, you know, any idea of, you know, where they want to go for spiritual practice. It's, it's a really great blending. Yeah. And I, I guess I want to encourage that. Like I, I did have this background, but it just was something I was craving, right? Yeah. Like I didn't have any, <laughs> especially when I started out in college, like I didn't have any special tools or anything like that. I just was like, I'm craving this. I need this community. I need to um, be reminded of the cycles of the year and I want to do it. I don't want to do it by myself. Um, I'm an extremely extroverted person. Mm. Um, and I just started, you know, and I think the group was forgiving and kind of all came together and we were experimenting and it was totally uh, creative and intuitive. And, um, that's part of the fun of it to me is like, there wasn't anything, you know, um, I didn't go off and study all this stuff for years and then come back and say like, okay, I'm finally ready to create. This is how we now. do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, let's try this. Cool. That worked. This didn't work. Okay. Like, you know, and then just as the cycles kept going, there were certain things that, you know, would either happen every year or we'd try something new and, yeah. um, you know, it just is, it's beautiful that way. So, um, 
I deeply encourage anybody listening who feels like they really want their practice to be communal to just start, a, a, just reach out to people and, and start it. And, you know, some of the people I practice with, it was as easy as like following each other on Instagram and being like, Hey, you seem to be interested in this. Hey, you seem to be interested in this. Like want to yeah. get together. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, it, 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 now that we are, you know, kind of quote unquote more out, um, and that it, all this stuff is trendy. Um, it is a lot easier to kind of just say, you know, I, I practice tarot. I'm a witch. I'm into herbalism. Like this is the stuff I do. Are you interested in any of that? Mm-hmm. Is there any overlap? And what I found is, um, with every single person that I've practiced with, there is some overlap, but not 100%, which is also really great because everybody that I'm coming into contact with has their own beliefs, their own rituals that they're bringing into the group um, and sharing. And then again, mm-hmm. back to that cherry picking. And then you can kind of just pick and choose what do you want your spirituality to be full of. Um, so I love that. Yeah, it's a lot of community learning. I think that's like kind of the point of having, you know, community is that we're turning to each other, not only for, you know, support, um, but also for that guidance and for that experience that we can't get alone um, and for perspective. You know, it's, it's impossible to really get you know, perspective on where you are without having somebody say, well, stand here and look from here, you know, and it's, it's valuable to get that, especially like with spirituality, but, you know, it it translates into other areas. If you know somebody in a specific context of, you know, say reading tarot, you're going to eventually find out more about them and more about yourself completely unrelated to tarot or, you know, whatever brought you together in the first place. And yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Are you, can I ask, are you like discerning with who you invite or are you just like, um, like RSVP anybody, like everybody's welcome, bring a friend, whatevs. It depends. Um, so right now I'm in a closed coven, which was, um, for me at the time, very, intentional and it was really, I reached out to certain people. Um, and it was a couple of things. One is I, I was living in Boston for a few years and did my, was doing my rituals, my circles. Um, and I was always hosting them. And then I moved to Spain and was doing that there. And then I came back to Boston and I kept bumping into these people that I've been doing circles with. And they were like, Oh, I hadn't been practicing like, when are you going to start circles up? And I was like, what, why haven't you been practicing? What? Yeah. Cause I went to Spain, you stopped all meeting. That's silly. So that was number one in my head was I was like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that because I left this left. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, not to say that people weren't still doing their own practices, but they weren't the community hadn't stayed connected in the same way. Um, and then the other thing was I, um, I have endometriosis. And when I came back from Spain, I was 
exhausted and tired and focusing a lot on my health. And I really wanted these um, rituals to continue, but I knew that I couldn't be the one to do them on my own. And mm. so I specifically started um, a, I reached out to friends and wanted to start a closed group because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the only high priestess I wanted us to share. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was the visual that came to me is that like you don't want to be the glue. You wanted to be like one of the strands in the basket. Like you're yes. all woven together. You all have an equal part to play. Rather yes. than like without me, this thing falls apart. Right. Or I, I want to be the teacher, right? So like mm-hmm. another part of what I'm kind of feeling is like, um, and part of this is I don't think I'm gonna be staying in Boston for much longer just that's like an intuitive feeling for me. So I like part of my feeling is like, okay, I have connected with this group of people and we've, we've seen each other and practice with each other. And now these people get it. And now I need to go somewhere else where people don't get it yet or haven't been just given the permission <laughs> to connect in that way. Um, and so that's what I kind of envisioned myself as being as just the person who shows up and says, Hey, yes, you can do that. Like, yes. When you were a little kid and out in the woods and you felt that feeling that you can't describe, yes, that was praying and you didn't realize it, but it is. And let's continue to build on that. And sometimes people, I think just need, like I said, that spark, that inspiration, that permission. And I'm, I feel like that's what I want to be as like a high priestess is I want to be traveling around, giving people permission to pray and connect the way they want. And then once that's been realized, I want to leave like kind of like Mary Poppins. Like, (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yes. (laughs) Well, so to kind of pull back to, since you're new to human design, this is actually like very manifesting generator behavior is that like when you decided that you want something and that it's the thing that you need, you go and do it. And everybody around you gets to see you role modeling that and picks that up and goes and does it. And then when you've finished the work on that, when you spent your energy on that, you go and answer to the new thing that's calling you. And that is absolutely exactly what manifesting generator energy is about. And by doing that, you'll always have more and there will always be more waiting for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) That's so Um, cool. Do Do you have like a process you go through when you're setting up like your, your like community in your space? Like, is it, do you have like a go-to thing that you do to welcome people in? I don't know. I'm, I have so, no community. I've never had any community. <laughs> so I'm just like, what is this I'm even look community. like? Well, yeah. It, aside Kaylee, aside from Kaylee, but that's, that's still fairly recent for me. So that's true. That is true. Um, honestly, there's not that much research or prep into it. I mean, there's research and prep into every ritual, but there's just a deep desire for me once I get to a place and start feeling, you know, meeting people there to, to build that. Um, I, I need that, I think as almost like a security kind of, you Mm. know, like, um, I need to know that my community is, is there. Um, and you know, it's, it's a vocation. It's like a calling. It's a, 
itch in the back of my brain that's going to keep itching if I don't do it in some shape or form. Mm. Um, so it's not always going to look the same everywhere I go. Um, so when I was in Spain at, for grad school, um, you know, it was just a lot of other grad students and a lot of them had zero, zero, zero experience with any of the stuff I was interested in. Um, I think though, along with kind of this like witchy wave trend that's happening, another thing that is, is blowing up and has blown up in the U S is yoga. And that is kind of, I think another way that people have kind of been able to connect, even if they have been doing yoga for exercise, they start getting a little bit more familiar with cycles, a little bit more familiar with meditation. And so it's easy for me to say like, Hey, do you want to come over and meditate for an hour? And we'll do like a ritual and sing some songs. And if people have no experience, but they've been to a yoga class, a lot of them will be like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, so that, I think those two things kind of just becoming, and there's problems with them being trendy. Right. But I'm hope, I think, I hope that overall there's a positive and that it has kind of awakened some people to just other, other ways. But, um, it's also a lot of word of mouth, you know, usually what happens is I have a ritual and sometimes there's just four of us. Um, and then those other three people will go say to a friend, oh, I went to this ritual and it was really amazing. And next time she does it, you should definitely come. And that's so many of my friends that I know that I've practiced with um, came because somebody told them to come or, you know, are friends of a friend of a friend, that type of thing. Um, Which is, I mean, that is, word of mouth is like, so grounded in community, right? Like, like your community telling you to go trust this person. Um, cause it is very vulnerable. So I think that's kind of a big part of it. And then I'm just like, I am, um, honest to a fault. Mm -hmm. And I think that that allows people to, I hope, um, you know, feel comfortable when they come to a, a ritual. I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I just am really upfront about stuff. So, and oh, I- you're very holy you. Like there's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's- I wonder if that has something to do with the Pisces moon because I am also honest to a fault. I am the worst liar, like <laughs> so bad. Like I, I, I can't energy. do it. <laughs> Where yeah, no, oh, right, right, right. Yes. It's a <laughs> lot of Sagittarius right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean I, I, yeah, I think, but- you know, when you, when I'm telling you, this is what we're going to do. And that like, and if you're into it, cool. And if you're not, that's also cool. There's no, like, I have no secret hidden agenda, right? Like this just makes me feel good. (laughs) And that's why I'm doing it. Um, if it makes you feel good, awesome. And if it doesn't make you feel good, cool. I hope you find something that does like, that's how I feel about it. Um, and I, I think hopefully, you know, that, that has allowed people to feel comfortable with joining. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. So if there were somebody listening, what, and they're like, oh my God, I need this. I'm not in Boston. I don't know how to get to Naomi. I don't know how to join the circle. I'm, I might as well do my own. Where would, or what would be the biggest takeaway for them to start with. And 
I have my own ideas as to what I think you're going to say, but I'm really curious where where you might suggest they go. Oh, they start. So I think um, for me, I would first just say in terms of people, just start small. I think sometimes when you say community, in my head, it's like there's a whole village of people. And it's like, no, community can be three people. Okay. You can have a circle with three people and just giving yourself permission to just call up three friends and say, Hey, I want to try something, any interest. So start, it doesn't have to be a bunch of people at first. That's the first thing I want to say. And then for me, I mean, what I crave is attention to a cycle. So the, you know, either the moon cycle or the wheel of the year, I think those are two good things to start with. Um, but picking some kind of cycle where you can um, notice change, where you can, you know, connect with nature in some way, um, where you can uh, have a measurement of time coming together, mm-hmm. um, a reason to gather, right? Sometimes people just have need a uh, excuse to get together and there isn't an excuse, you yeah. know, um, nature prescribes one for you. Don't worry. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, whatever it is and then however you feel connected. So, you know, if it, if you are really connected to the moon, start with a moon cycle. Um, if you are more of an animal person, you know, maybe that's where you're going, going through things. It, it doesn't really, I, there's no right or wrong. I think that's the other thing is like, this should be a creative process. So, and that's exciting to me. Um, so just try something out and see how it works. Um, you know, and also too, there are so many, you can just Google things now and a million positive resources will, will pop up. You know, if you want to do a meditation, you could go find a meditation on a podcast or on YouTube, or you can write one yourself. Like that's really totally up to you. I personally love to improv meditation and write them myself. That's kind of where, what I gravitate towards, but you know, there's a lot of things. Um, I think just finding something to focus on. So my practice is incredibly nature-based and very music-based. So for me, the elements of every ritual that I'm offering will probably have um, an acknowledgement, a connection with the four directions. Um, I'm going to create some kind of altar space um, some kind of sacred space for um, everyone to put an item or there's some candles or anything on an altar. And that can be as simple as one candle and some rocks and acorns. You know what I mean? Like it can be whatever you want. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be fancy. But I think part of ritual is the before and after. So there is a deep spiritual connection in the preparation of ritual for me in getting my space ready for a group to come over and taking the time to gather the items around my house or outside that I want to have on the altar. If I'm prepping any food um, and prepping the food, like all of that is a part of all the preparation is also a part of connecting to spirituality as well. 
Um, so just go small, even just something as simple as um, honoring the four directions, calling in your ancestors, and just having a moment to check in with the people in the group. Just a simple check-in. How are you doing this moon cycle? How have, how have you changed from the last 28 days? What's coming up on the horizon for you in the next 28 days? Um, what are you thankful for? What are you having a hard time with? Simple as that can be so nourishing. You know, yes. it, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and then also it doesn't have to be um, you doing it on your own either. You know, part of something that I have always tried to do, especially when I was doing my circles kind of you know, open to anyone who wanted to come, I would call, I would say anyone with an open mind can come. (laughs) Like you can show, I just don't, you can show up, you can bring your friend, you can bring your mom. I just don't want you to bring anyone who's going to judge me and these people. Right. So (laughs) anyone with an open mind can show up was kind of the rule of thumb for a long time for me. I think that's also like the rule of thumb of a good orgy as well. Yeah. That's a very good rule of thumb for an orgy, yes. yes. <laughs> any any group of people gathering, it should be a good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So for me, that was just kind of like, then I would usually say, okay, these are the things we're going to focus on. Bring something to share, whether that's a food or a poem or anything like that. Bring something to share. This is the theme. You know, we're going to be... Um, focusing on spring equinox. And I want you to be thinking about balance and thinking about all the things that spring means to you. And, you know, that can be spiritual or not. Everyone has associations with spring and bring something um, that connects to that for you. Um, So very simple. Um, And I think simple is a great way to start, even if you are very practiced in this stuff. it is, you know, it's just people, like I said earlier, desire and crave gathering. And so you don't really have to do that much to make it feel special. <laughs> right. We, we want it, you know? Um, and so you can definitely go all out. And I've had some really crazy fun rituals that I've spent a long time planning and they have been memorable and beautiful. And I've had some really simple ones that have also been really special. Um, recently, my best friend and I just, we wanted to do a ritual just to honor our past selves. So mm-hmm. we just said, let's go back 10 years and then let's go back another 10 years. Um, So for me, it was 19 and nine and let's connect with those versions of ourselves and let's just bring them into the ritual. And there's just three of us. And we each brought an item from that age and some pictures. And we just went around the circle and talked about those versions of ourselves. Um, Very simple, nothing special about it, but really powerful. And I, you know, I just was like, wow, when had I when was the last time I gave myself the time to just think about that version of me? Um, and to see again, the the cycles, to see the 10 year cycles and how I've changed from nine to 19 to 29. 
Um, and so I think that's something I will probably maybe do every year now and kind of connect back with every 10, but there was nothing. I mean, we didn't really crazy plan anything. We just were both craving that. Um, and so, yeah, what are you craving? What do you feel like you need to check in with? Um, and creating a ritual that way. I love that. That is, I mean, like that is, that example in particular is like striking something really deep in me because I feel like a lot of what you and I are doing, Jesse, is is kind of hearkening back to that. Like we're, you know, going back to these past selves of ours and really inviting them to be the people that they felt like they couldn't be back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of this is also practice and ritual. Um, and yeah, that, that just, yeah, that touched a really, really nice part of me. Thank you. Yeah. Kaylee was saying, um, one time when we were pre-recording and she was saying like, you know, I find that even now, like I, um, am more connected to like how I looked back then. Like she was like, I wear my hair a lot. Like I did when I was a kid and I was like, Oh my God, me too. Like I, you know, I've, I've had, I've dyed my hair like every color under the sun. I've cut it short. I've had it long. I had an undercut, which I'm growing out now. And uh, now all I want to be is like my natural blonde self. That's like what I want to do. <laughs> so it's funny. It's, it's yeah. interesting. I, yeah, that ritual sounds really cool. And I agree with you, Kaylee. I'm feeling that as well, that energy. Yeah. Do you think that it's, um, I mean, you, we've talked about how like, uh, the popularity of witchcraft now has in a lot of ways made it easier to find community do you find that it's, um, do you think that it's also increased the difficulty of creating a quality community? Like, do you, or do you think that not really, I don't know what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't think quality is the problem. I think, um, monetization is the problem. So here, here, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, I, I really, really, really struggle with it. Um, because I struggle with it with tarot. Um, because on the one hand, I, when I do a tarot reading for someone, it is energetic work. And sometimes I feel tired (laughs) afterwards and, Mm -hmm. you know, it is work, but at the same time I am, um, spiritually connecting. And so I feel really, um, strange about putting a dollar sign on that. And that's something that I have really been, and I don't have an answer to it yet because I'm still figuring it out. So I think for me, um, you know, what I want people to know, especially people who are newer to any of it is like, there are so many different things that you can go out and buy, but you don't need any of them. Um, and, and that's like the biggest thing I can say is like, um, yes, there's a lot of wonderful stuff out there from herbs to crystals, you know, there are so many powerful, potent magic. Um, but the most important magic to me is your intention. And so start with that and start with your intention. And, you know, if you are drawn to a crystal and you want to go out and buy it, amazing. I have crystals all over my house, like go for it, but do not feel to me. It's like, 
don't have that crystal or that herb be the stand-in for the priest or the rabbi, right? Don't feel like you have to have a certain crystal in order to connect to your spirituality a certain way. I don't like that because it means that you have to have access to that and you have to go out and buy it. Um, and when it really, it, it's about you and your intention and your connection. Um, and so trying not to, um, use anything material as a crutch for you to connect into the channel of your spirituality, I think is really, really important. Mm. Um, now there are certain things that for me, um, I have, an, I don't know if you can see a little bit of it, but I have a little altar that is specifically dedicated to my ancestors. Um, and I like to light a candle there almost every day. I like to light a candle. So I have a healthy supplies of candles, you know, not, <laughs> not, not very expensive ones or anything, but that is a little, um, just a little offering of them, shining a light on them, letting them know that I'm thinking of them. That's what that candle represents to me. Um, but that it can be something different for someone else. You know, it can be a spirit plate. It can be a flower from your garden that you're laying there. It, it doesn't have to be this big special thing. What's the intention? You know, the intention is I want to connect with my ancestors and my loved ones. I want them to know that I'm thinking of them. I want to feel their influence. And, and that's the intention. Um, and if I don't have a candle to light, I can still set that intention. It has nothing to do with the candle. It's just something that helps me kind of feel it. Um, and so that's, that's a, my issue with a lot of this stuff being trendy is that now there's this, I think, pressure for people to feel like they have to go out and buy every single herb on the shelf. Right. Um, yeah. and you don't need, you don't need to do it that way. Um, you know, and it's expensive. A lot of this stuff is expensive and, um, that automatically creates this accessibility issue for me. Um, and then my other issue is, you know, where are you getting your resources from? Yes. Um, and are you getting your resources from a sustainable resource right. <laughs> in so many ways, you know, or, you know, please don't buy, sage at Whole Foods, right? Like, where is that coming from? <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> and yeah, there's who, no trail. And, who's, <laughs> and whose herb is that? And, you know, all those things. So, um, you know, I think if you are using it as a whole and connecting back to nature, the best thing to do is just go out into, you know, your park or your backyard and, and find the resources that are there. So, I live by Jamaica Pond in um, Boston, and I was going for a walk the other day and found this beautiful rock on the ground. It's just a rock. It's it's not a special fancy crystal, but I was like, oh, look at this beautiful colored rock, and I put it in my pocket and I brought it home, and now it's on my altar. You know, I, and it's just a, just a source from where I actually live. You know, there was, you know, it. I didn't. Um, take too much of something. I didn't disturb the land. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, pay for something where I had no idea where it was from all those things just kind of, if you can find a sustainable resource 
literally in your backyard. Um, I think that is a really healthy way to tap into this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that this psych, like circles back to community in an interesting way too, because their community is going to have resource. You know, if you are meeting with people and they're taking the same intention of, you know, having as um, thoughtful of an impact on their world and the people that they're meeting with, then they're going to bring things that are like, if, if we're talking specifically about material things, they're going to bring material things that are thoughtful and kind and filled with an attention. And they're bringing immaterial things that expand that too. And if all of this is being regarded as energy, you know, an energy exchange and energy um, transfer and energy growth, that when we come with intention and meet in community that really there's only the opportunity to to continue and expand Mm -hmm. um yeah absolutely and I think that the another beautiful thing about community there is um accountability right that if we're meeting with groups of people that see the world from a different place than we do that they're going to have a perspective that says you know, what I'm bringing is, you know, going to, to bring this thought and intention and it makes us, you know, think about our own more. Yeah. And even on the basic level of, you know, I've met people, some people won't practice without that community accountability. Yeah. Right. Knowing that we're all going to meet in six weeks helps people, do their own solo practice as well, because they know that they're going to meet up again and, you know, they want to have done the journal prompt or whatever, you know? So I think sometimes it's as, um, as simple as that basic level too. It's like that accountability piece can connect people to their spirituality because they know that they're going to meet with their group again. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Yeah. It's like, like, I think the close, like probably the closest thing I have is I do the meetups with, um, Lacey Phillips to be magnetic community. So they have, we have a little DC village. So we meet up with them and yeah, it keeps you, keeps you accountable when you're trying to do your stuff and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, also keep your vibration high, like letting others support you and hold space for you and you doing the same for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think space is a really, really important point to community that it gives us the um, permission, you know, like you were saying, to take space. It also yeah. gives uh, gives other people permission to take our space and we're sharing it. Mm-hmm. And when we're sharing space and we're sharing energy um, and we're sharing resource, then we're going to grow things, Right. That it's, yeah. it's not just about what I'm bringing and what I'm taking away. Um, because, you know, the next time we're coming, we're still meeting with the same people and we count on them to be there. So. And it's like, it's so unpredictable, the connections I think that you make in these 
spiritual communities. Mm. Um, I have a friend that I was um, doing rituals with in college and I hadn't seen her in five years. And she reached out to me and recently and ended up coming to like my birthday party this year. And, but I think we still had that connection, even though we hadn't actually connected in a long time because we had been doing spirit, spiritual work together um, and sharing space and really had these deep connections together. Um, and so I think that's really beautiful for me because I, I'm making these groups wherever I go. And I have no idea what those connections are going to look like in the future. Um, but I have tapped into these communities um, and will continue to do so. And so that's another thing. It's like, it's not always linear, the, the knowing of what's going to happen next. And pretty rarely um, linear, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and these like big connections. Um, so again, I mean, that's also for me, those, the cycles too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I meant to ask like a super basic question. You had said like <laughs> the cycle of the year, the, the wheel of the year or something. Mm -hmm. Does that just mean monthly? No. no. Um, so that is, that's based off of the, um, pagan tradition, but it is the, um, eight sun holidays in the year. Oh. So if you think about, let's think about the year kind of as, uh, North, East, South and West, right. So you can kind of think of that compass. So, um, South is summer solstice. Ah, okay. and North would be winter solstice. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then in between those two, you have the autumn equinox and the spring equinox. Mm -hmm. And then in between each of those are four other holidays as well. Um, kind of like the high point of the season. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we just had, um, May Day Beltane, um, which happens every May 1st, which is the halfway point between spring and summer. Mm. Um, and so following that cycle um, every year, and which I've been doing now for 10 years, um, has been really important for me in terms of my growth, my connection to nature. Um, I was someone, I mean, I've lived primarily in New England most of my life and I was someone who hated winter <laughs> and then I started doing these cycles and what I realized was like, no, I don't hate winter. I am just treating winter poorly. I'm trying to mm. do the same things that I do in summer and winter where winter is really about, um, you know, introspection and being home and being quiet and solitude. Um, and, being slow and allowing myself to rest. And once I acknowledged that part of the cycle and the, that how important that is, and that set changed my expectations of winter, you know, it's so important to me now, the cold and the quiet, I need that. I thrive on it and I need it just as much as I need the hot and loudness of the summer. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's checking in with those, those eight, sun holidays, as well as the moon cycles too. I love that. So yeah. it kind of sounds like, um, 
Like you get like eight Thanksgivings, basically. It's like, <laughs> let's get together. Let's set an intention. Let's talk about what we're thankful for. <laughs> and like all enjoy a good meal. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. And each one, you know, some of them are a little, are super joyous and rambunctious. And some of them are a little bit more sorrowful. sorrowful. Um, so if you think about almost like each year as a life. Mm. So right. um, the start of life happening in winter and then Halloween, All Hallows Eve um, being the end of life. Um And that's what's happening with the seasons, right? By the time we get to the fall, things are dying. Um, You know, it's the the end of the harvest. Um, The leaves are all brown (laughs) and not a lot is growing. Um, And then when we're in the middle of winter, it feels like we, it feels like everything's dormant, but actually underneath the earth, everything's starting to grow again. Um, And that's the, the quickening time, which is, you know, similar to when a woman is pregnant, but you can't tell yet. So it's like, that's what the earth is doing. Um, and so, and following that cycle is really important because it also is a reflection of the cycles in our lives too. Um, and I, I think for me, I think a lot of the problems that we have in our, um, broader society and broader communities are because we as a society have lost touch with those cycles. Yeah. Yeah, It's so funny you said that because I was just about to ask you and I was like, don't ask her that. That sounds stupid. But um, the thing I wanted to ask you is like, do you feel that in doing this, like, do do you almost feel like you're healing the earth a little bit when you do these kind of rituals and gatherings? I think it makes me, I think it personally makes me a little bit more earth focused, (laughs) which is, you know, which is important. Um, And sometimes we do healing for the earth. So yes, that's, there will often be intention um, on spring um, equinox. When we got together for spring equinox, it was the last day that I saw anybody before quarantine happened. Um, and I met up with a bunch of friends and we had, I had planned a ritual, but I was like, Ooh, I don't think we should all meet inside anymore, but I'm not sure what, what's going on with this disease, but let's still meet outside. So we met outside. We went to this little pond near my house, a very small pond. Um, and we gathered around the pond. So we made a circle. We weren't we weren't touching each other, but we made a circle around the pond. Each person had a different place in the pond. And we just were doing, sending out healing light to the earth because we were like something big and global and monumental is about to happen. And and we need to do that. So sometimes there is that level of healing. um, And sometimes it is much smaller than that. Mm. Um, but I think I, a little while back, had a realization um, because I was, when I first moved to Boston, I was doing a lot of protests. I was doing a lot more political stuff. Um, and, and I was finding it exhausting and incredibly frustrating. I wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I had a realization that, um, you know, Black lives 
won't matter if there isn't a planet for us to live on, (laughs) right? Abortion rights won't matter if there isn't a healthy planet for us to live on. All these things that I was protesting do not matter if um, we can't inhabit the earth anymore. Mm. Um, And so I was kind of like, well, what can I do? You know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I am one person. Um, And my kind of intuitive response to that was like, okay, let's remind people that the earth is sacred. Um, Because if we're reminded that it's sacred, if we're connected to the cycles, um, if we're connected to the cycles, we're going to notice when the cycles are off. Right. Um, And also we're going to have a different, um, you know, if the earth is your church, you're going to feel differently about how you treat it. You're not going to want to trash it. (laughs) Right. Right. So that, that's another thing. And that's kind of how I have pivoted in the last few years to um, what at first for me was like a lot of protests and, and things like that. I just, I, you know, it, it, it has to be a little bit more of that spiritual earth work for me. Um, and the way that I have been raised and have like the knowledge to do that is through this community and through spirituality. You know, if I was sciencey, I might've gone off and said, okay, I'm going to start working in science or something like that, but I'm not. So that's, that's kind of my very small contribution. Um, but I am hoping that the more people that can connect with the cycles just, you know, can start thinking about these things. And then same with community, right? Like if you are in tap uh, and touch and tapped into your community, um, you don't need to go as far out to get what you need. And you're going to find a lot of local resources, um, which is all, I think, you know, just part of, part of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can get on my soapbox for a second, as I want to do. As, as if we could keep you off. Keep, <laughs> nobody continue. can keep me off. I, nobody can keep me off. Um, that what, what you're working with and what you're doing is not unscientific, even if you don't necessarily say you're, say that you're a scientist, right? That you're paying attention to cycles and that's like the first science that we ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that it creates ritual for somebody who can be entirely secular, right? Mm -hmm. Paying attention to celestial holidays is, is an easy practice to do when you believe that the earth orbits the sun. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. (laughs) Like anybody can do that as long as that's the basis. Right. And then on top of that, that there is really beautiful psychology at play here and the science of that when we're talking about community and what that is doing for um, the people that are involved in it and, and, you know, healing a lot of that too. And so, yeah, that's my science soapbox. This is, this is not, not (laughs) science. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I agree with that in terms of also like, I, I have practiced with people who do not believe in God and still get something out of the ritual. Yes. Yep. Right? It's, it is not. And that's too what I mean about spirituality. Like I, I think our concept, even the word God, um, 
it has so much on it already. And to me, that can be as simple as for you, maybe God is love or, um, there's a wonderful Maya Angelou quote that is God is all right. So, which to me really connects to me because I feel like for me, earth is, is that right? So earth is all God is all right. So it's like, whatever that is, you don't have to believe in anything like that either. It's just, do you enjoy the community gathering and as simple as observing the seasons change? Um, and are you, can you, I think we all have moments where we feel that clarity and we feel that connected and that tapped in. And so, you know, you can call that whatever you want, but how do you have access to that? And how do you want to have access to it? Um, and I want to have access to it, not through, um, a house of worship, not through a person. I want to just be able to access it because I'm connected to the outside and to nature. And I, I think too, you know, with the cycles and with our world, with climate change, you know, we have for too long been acting like we're not part of nature. And when you practice the cycles, especially the wheel of the year, but also the moon cycles, um, it is a reminder that no, we are also a part of nature 100%. So that's really big for me. Um, and also just, you know, having respect when you are, when you realize you're a part of nature, you then have respect for other parts of nature a little bit more than maybe you did previously. Um, so I have, for me, seeing certain animals connecting with certain plants, um, that's really important to me. They, those things are sending me messages or helping me connect in a way. Um, when I was 21, I started seeing crows in these weird places and weird things with crows dead and alive. And that was, that was like a, a big wake up call for me that I was like, okay, Ooh, I'm noticing this on a level that's not just, you know, normal. (laughs) Um, and, and so I kind of, you know, I did some research and crows always had kind of this bad rap so much like they're like exactly like the death card, like the bad rep of like, ah, crows, bad omen. Um, but you know, what I kind of came to understanding them as, is, is change. And so, when I have a moment with a crow now, and I, I don't have it as much as I did when I was 21, and, and that was a huge year for me. So it made sense that I, looking back, that I was having all these crow encounters. But when I do have a significant crow encounter, to me, that's like, okay, some change is coming. Um, and that's just my personal connection to the animal. Um, but that's another way that, like, I'm tapped in and trying to connect to the nature around me as a part of nature. And it can be whatever it is for you, but, you know, certain associations with certain things and just taking the time to notice, you know, I think we get so distracted by our busy human lives that we forget to notice these things um, and notice what, what the um, rest of nature is trying to tell us. 
um, you know, whether it's a warning sign or whether it's a spiritual connection. Like the murder hornets. Have you seen that? They're like here. No. Oh the murder hornets. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't like, heard about the murder yeah. hornets yet. Oh my God. <laughs> so there are these hornets that like murder well, bees. Yeah, they like rip the heads off of honeybees and, and oh. it's gruesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's it's also, I mean, like I think that it is taken, you know, to kind of echo what you were saying about bad omens and, you know, folks being superstitious that like it's been named for something that's, you know, a pretty horrific thing. And truth be told, they're also pollinators. So, you know pollinators can come in different costumes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? oh yeah yeah and like, like murdering oh. honey, honeybees is is terrible please people do not murder honeybees but like circle of life yeah and, like, and beyond the circle of life like it, taking a step back and taking the capital letters off of things and looking at the <laughs> lowercase letters like kind of what we were talking about a minute ago where we we're talking about capital g god versus lowercase g god and mm-hmm. capital s spirituality versus lowercase s spirituality and yeah. you know like if when you start paying attention to these things it's easier to tell the difference between them mm-hmm. um and to notice when things are normal and when they're not normal and what part you play and what part you don't play because we don't always play a part in that <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, nature is intelligent and also sometimes nature is brutal. Oh, yeah. oh so I, brutal. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's part of the reason why people want to separate from nature, but right. it's like, okay, but humans are brutal. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, that's part of, that is part of the cycle. Um, and then I, you know, I think if you're tapped in too, it's like, we are, our culture is really death scared. Um, and if you're not afraid of death, um, then it's a lot easier to connect with nature and connect with cycles, right? Because like there is, you're going to eventually come to the part in terror where you hit the death card. You're going to eventually come to a part in your life where you die, you're going to eventually come mm-hmm. to a part in a cycle mm-hmm. where it is winter again, you know, and, or someone in your life dies. So if you can see that as sacred, as special, as, as a part of the cycle, instead of as this feared thing, it allows you to tap in, you know, you can't, I was talking earlier about cherry picking, but you, you can't cherry pick what part of the cycles you want, you know, that you have to yeah. be on for the whole ride. Oh, well, um, yeah. And, and yeah, every you lesson. Get to skip winter. You don't get no. to skip it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, if you can accept that, okay, we don't get to skip this. What am I going to learn from it instead of fearing it? I think that's really important. Um, but, you know, it's, you have to be okay with, I know there's so many like, like animal cameras on, I think there's one on the Cape where I'm from Cape Cod and it was like an osprey nest. Um, and they had to take it down because people were freaking out because the osprey mother was like kicked out one of the babies and is the baby going to be okay? And then, and it's like, no, part of nature. No. And you know, we don't fully understand why she did that, but 
nature's intelligent. She did it for a reason. And, you know, we, we have to be able to be okay with some of the harshness of, of nature. It isn't always cute, fluffy animals, you know? Right. And the harsh parts of it are just as worth saving as the fuzzy parts. Yeah. And that by denying that it denies the natural part of ourselves Mm -hmm. and also hides the parts that, you know, that, that we desperately need to keep this planet flourishing. Yes. And allow, yeah. We desperately need them. Allowing ourselves to be okay with not having the answers for everything. Yes. Right. Because some of, some of the problem is we don't really, we're not as intelligent as we think we are. And we don't really know that much about nature. Um, and so we have to just kind of accept that nature's doing stuff. Um, we're doing stuff and we're not fully aware of it all yet. And we might never get to a point where we're aware of everything. Um, and we don't know how much we don't know. <laughs> so right. you have to just kind of trust and, you know, get, uh, get in the car and go for the ride and be okay with some mystery. Um, and I think that's really beautiful too. I don't need to know the answers to, you know, everything. Um, I really anything, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and, um, you know, and that's sometimes been my response to, um, you know, people, especially like with astrology being so big right now and, you know, the questions of like, is it real? Is it not real? Is there a science to it? Is it not? you know, my answer to that is always, well, do you enjoy it? And how does it make you feel? <laughs> yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, then it's not for you. And if you do enjoy it, then you enjoy it and you should keep studying it and keep working with it. And, you know, it's as simple as that. What difference does it make? Um, you know, and that's how I, how I kind of feel about it as well as we have to be open to this unknown um, which is such a huge part of spirituality. Um, and you know, when I'm praying, I don't know if anybody is hearing me, it doesn't matter. It is not a a means to an end. The act of praying is important to me and that's why I do it. Um, I'm not praying to get, to get something out of it. It's not transactional. (laughs) No, exactly. Right. So I think kind of being a little bit open to that is in a small and grand sense is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of cycles, (laughs) we have a particular cycle on this podcast where after our lovely conversations, we like to read cards for our guests. Um, I'm so excited. That is so lovely. Yeah, I thought you might like that. (laughs) I already pulled yours and um, you, I'm got, gonna, you go first then because I haven't actually yeah. pulled the cards, but the card that is sitting on top while I was shuffling, like I haven't even looked at it yet. So the reveal is going to be there when, when you get it, but it's been harassing me to pull it the entire mm. time. <laughs> so it's ready for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got three, I, we do three card readings on here and you got okay. three, three major arcana cards. Okay. Yeah. So I'm getting um, my pen so I can write this down. I don't want to forget. Yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> do it. What's um not surprising to me is that I first I pulled the Empress 
okay. for you. <laughs> and like the visual on this specific card from, I'm for those of you playing along, I'm using my Tarot of the Absurd deck. And I love this because the visual is like very much like a, it's a pregnant mother with a bunch of kids, like all around her. And really, I always see this as a community card. Mm-hmm. And it's like the richness of the family you create. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, I think that that's very apt. It's also a natural progression from the high priestess that we Mm -hmm. move from her in the second place to the empress in the third place. Yeah, exactly. So I feel, I feel like you're kind of coming into your own, especially with all of this community stuff. And, you know, maybe like, maybe like what you said, how you're like, I think I'm coming to the end of my time in Boston. Maybe you're like, maybe you've done what you came here to do. Mm -hmm. Um, what we have in the second position, I have the chariot inverted. So I read inversions. I do too. It's, I yeah. never, ever, ever get the chariot. Really? So I've been getting the not chariot. not a card mm. that comes up for me. Okay. I have a but feeling like that it's going to be like a recurring one for you because mm. like I never got it and started getting it earlier this year and now only like I pull it at least once a week. Anyway, sorry, Jesse. To yeah, <laughs> I just got well, so excited for that one. <laughs> I love the imagery on this card because, like, it's got two wild animals. It's got like a bull and it's got a lion on mm. it. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, that bull. There's that Taurus energy and that lion. I almost feel it's like that kind of like, you know, I describe manifesting generators as as um, shooting stars. And I kind of feel like that's very much like chariot energy is that like kind of um, like screaming across the sky, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. It's like um, (laughs) moving very quickly. And I think that like, I don't like to read the chariot as like inverted as like some kind of personal failure. I think of it more as like internal success, like an internal Mm -hmm. victory. And so I think it's really like embracing that um, spirituality and that place you have as a community leader is really what I'm getting from that. Feeling a lot of success inside yourself. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then finally, so this deck has two moon cards and you got the nicer of the two. So I'll show you that this one. Um, and I love the imagery on this. It's basically like a person and a dog or a wolf like sleeping on a bridge over a little calm water in the middle of the woods and a big happy moon looking down. So I think this is like what I'm getting is that you're you're you are creating reality from the dreams that you hold inside yourself. And like that's what I like that's how I get it. Like you're finding that home and that place of comfort and you're taking it from within and really creating it in the world around you. Thank you. This yeah. is, I almost never get readings anymore. So this is exciting. I'm loving oh. this. I mean, I give myself readings, but not from other people. So wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's, this deck um, is an optimist. So she likes to give like happy messages. <laughs> so yeah. I, have to, I have to tell you at, at the um, beginning of the year, um, at solstice, I pulled a tarot card for each full moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the full moon that's coming up, um, in a couple days, I pulled, um, Oh, you mean the, first. the one that this episode is coming out for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I pulled the Empress card. So that is the oh. cycle that I'm starting. <laughs> so that's just like, right right on. What an exclamation point. Holy Mm -hmm. moly. Yeah. 
All right, my turn. So I'm pulling from my Pagan Otherworlds deck, which I have learned now that we have a nice blooming relationship that this deck does read reversals. Okay. So if you get some, <laughs> we'll be reading them as reversed. Okay. Um, okay. First card, <sighs> Ten of Cups. Oh, beautiful. So beautiful. This card was like itching to get pulled while I was shuffling. So very, very community-based and I think really ties um, with all of the water to the um, your Pisces full moon or your Pisces yeah. uh, moon for your uh, chart. The other thing that really strikes me and I mean, this deck illustrates it beautifully, but the maypole you know, um, you know, just past May Day now last week. And, um, you know, so that really highlights community again, that, you know, we're coming together, Mm -hmm. we're celebrating and we're doing it, um, holding each other's hearts. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. Ooh. Two of coins. So, um, this one did come up reversed and I would say that this is probably marking, um, a choice that you're making as far as balancing resource goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that it may feel kind of turbulent right now. Um, but that because it's following this, um, very community-based card that you have support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last we have Knight of Swords and mm. he's he's also reversed. Okay. Um, so this is our Knight of Swords charging forward. So you can Ooh, see. he's a ginger. He is a ginger. Um, it looks like Tormund from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you guys both know that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Um, so I would take this more as like a, a traditional reversal in, um, holding off before making decisions, like not charging straight forward. Um, and what I'm especially getting echoed in this is the, reliance on this, um, watery more cups card. And the takeaway I have is to lean into your, um, solar plexus, emotional authority and your human design Mm -hmm. and riding all of those emotional waves, especially because the card just before it, um, that two of coins and the sort of turbulent waters that you can read in the reversal, um, that you need to understand the crests and the valleys of the emotions involved with it before, um, moving forward. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, this is so much to think about. I'm excited. Yeah. And I'll send you a picture so that you can actually like take a look and meditate on the imagery. Um, so, uh, where can we find you if we want to look you up and see what you're doing and what you're getting into? (laughs) Um, so you can find me on the interwebs, um, Naomi Westwater. Uh, that's my website and I'm, I'm, 
not very active on Facebook, but I'm pretty active on Instagram. So that's probably the best. Those are the best two places to find me uh, is my website and Instagram. Is that Instagram. your Instagram handle? Yes, Naomi Westwater. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I with a name it. like that, why wouldn't you? So. <laughs> Absolutely. I love following along on your Instagram too. So Naomi pulls cards um, on her Instagram very regularly. Um, oh. So it's a really lovely little check-in. Um, and what uh, what kind of projects are you working on? What can we look forward for me? forward for from you? Well, I don't know what English is. Um, so a couple things. One thing that I'm doing is I am doing snail mail tarot. So people can, um, buy a reading. They're just 10 bucks. And I read, I pull a one card reading. I'm doing reversals because with one card readings, you get a, I feel like you really do need to lie on, rely on reversals for some context and clues. Um, and I handwrite a letter of the reading and send you the card and the letter in the mail. Um, it's been a really great way for me to um, tap into tarot and reading at the time when I had the energy to do it and when my I feel like my intuition is the most heightened. So sometimes that's in the evening, sometimes that's in the early morning. Um, so that's one thing. And then I'm just I'm always working on some kind of music, something. So um, you know, just checking. Hopefully, some things will be on the horizon soon. Everything is a little, is a big question mark, I think, with just what's going on, but I'm, yeah. I'm making music and, um, and yeah, so hopefully Send some new letters. music will be coming. Yeah. yeah. Writing yeah. letters, making music. <laughs> and I think it would be lovely to have you potentially come back and talk a little bit more about music and mm-hmm. sacred music and things mm-hmm. like that. I think that that would be a lovely conversation if you're up to I would to love it. to do that. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much, Naomi. Thank you for having me. This was so wonderful. Um, And also, I love that these readings, I'm excited to go meditate on them. Yay. Yay. All right. Well, thanks for coming, friends. And thank you, Naomi, for stopping by. Special thanks to Jack Da Silva for our dope-ass intro music, Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. Tune in every Friday for the latest episode, and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.